Well, this morning, we're going to end our Rooted series. Y'all been enjoying Rooted and Ephesians? It's been good. Been kind of pricking your heart a little bit, messing with you. It's always good to just kind of exegete the text, text or expose it and walk through it line by line and just see what it actually says. Too many times we open the Bible trying to figure out what it says for us and we don't read about what it says about God and then through that figure out about ourselves. So that's one of the purposes we walk through this, this whole root is here. So we're going to end the day in, in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So if you got a Bible, meet me there. If you missed any part of this series, I, I hope that you'll go online or download the podcast and you will listen to our series and catch up with what God has been doing here at Renewal through Ephesians. Again, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And once you have it, I'm going to ask that you stand on your feet as we read the Word of God together, if you're able. You got it. Go ahead and say, got it. Here now the reading of God's word starting in verse 10 in chapter 6. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Remember that, stand. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all of circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. The very words of God, amen. Today I want to simply preach on standing firm in the Lord. Can you say that with me? Standing firm in the Lord. Standing firm in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I just pray that as we venture into your word right now that you would hide me behind your cross that you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place father have your way holy spirit fill this place and speak to us and it's in your name we pray all these things everyone said together amen you can be seated <clears throat> well who in here has seen the black panther Everybody's hands should be up. Come on now. Same on you if you have not seen the Black Panther. Hey, and sorry, but I'm about to ruin a little bit of it. It's been out for months, hit the box office, killed it, so there's no excuse, all right? I'm going to tell y'all a secret. Anytime a movie's been out for more than a couple of weeks, maybe even three months, it's free game for illustration, all right? 
So I might mess it up for you, all right? So that's, that's on you, not me, okay? We've seen the movie, all right? It's on video right now. Well, not video, I don't even do that anymore. DVD, Blu-ray. Well, in the movie, T'Challa, he's the, the main character. He is the Black Panther in the movie, and he has superhuman powers. And some of his skills come from him being trained as a young child, but his powers really come from this heart-shaped herb that is only found in Wakanda. And when he drinks of it, he has these superpowers. This plant, once it's made into a concoction and consumed by a worthy vessel, says to be in, in the comics, a worthy vessel, it, 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 it gives him incredible powers and enhanced speed. Listen to this, agility, strength, endurance, healing, and sensory perception on the level of a super soldier. It also grants the ability to see in the dark. It can, you can hear a person's heartbeat, track someone or something by its scent, hence Black Panther. Scientifically, this heart-shaped herb has been found to improve the subject's kinesthetic sense, a sense that allows you to know your location in space and time and move accordingly Basically, this amounts to this superior control over your whole body. Wouldn't that be nice? Superior control over everything you have. So in essence, when T'Challa, he drinks from this herb he ingested, he gains the strength of the Black Panther. But without drinking it, he's just a regular man. And we see this throughout the movie when he doesn't drink it or his powers are stripped he loses the crown and almost dies. But when he ingests this heart-shaped herb, he's virtually untouchable. Now don't miss this. When T'Challa is relying upon a strength that does not come from, from him, he's untouchable. But when he's not relying upon this strength, he loses the crown and almost dies. Some of y'all missed that. Friends, friends, here's what I'm saying this morning. This is what I'm trying to get at, is that when we believe and we re rely upon the strength that comes from the Lord, not ourselves, we're virtually untouchable, kind of like the Black Panther. But when we start relying upon our own strength, we're tossed to and fro like the wind and the waves, touched by everything and everybody coming our way. See, hear me, friends. God saw each one of us worthy he said, you're a worthy vessel, whether you're, you're a believer or not. He said, look, look, you're still my child. I see you in your sin. I see you in your mess, but you're still worth it to me. So I'm going to send my son. He comes down here, Jesus, in the flesh, God in the flesh, and dies the death that we should die. So if we believe, we're able to walk through this life because of what he's done on our behalf. See, y'all, God knew that we didn't have the strength to walk through this life. He knew we didn't have what we needed to make it through this life on our own. So he not only dies for us, but then he also gives us his strength to walk through this life day by day. And I know you may be saying, well, Pastor D, that's cool and all. I do believe, but I don't feel untouchable. I don't feel untouchable, and, 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 and I would argue that you're probably not consumed, though, with or believing the truths of what it means to be rooted in Jesus, because the reality is, is that Jesus has already overcome this world. 
He's overcome the world and anything that can happen to us. And the truth is the believer's home is not here, but it awaits them in heaven. So, so here's the truth in all of that. You may have sadness here. You may have hardship. You may have pain that happens to you on this earth, but nothing that happens here is even utterly compared to what awaits you in Jesus. Y'all didn't amen me because I know some of y'all are still saying, well, Pastor D, that sounds good. I hear that every week from you when you're preaching and I keep my mind on Jesus, all of this, but I really am not feeling it. I, I believe, but I, I don't feel like I'm that strong. I don't, I, the, the weight of the world and the things that happen to me on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe even this week, it, it, it's just too hard for me. This life is too hard for me. I don't know what to do with myself. It's too hard for me. So here, if you walked in here heavy laden this morning, I want you to hear me as we walk through this passage and we end our Rooted series. My prayer is that you would not feel, feel, but know, know and believe that your strength comes from the Lord, which now in turn drives your feelings. Now, as we jump into this text, just a little bit of background as we're walking through this because we've walked through this whole book of Ephesians. I want to catch you up to where we are today as we're walking through this. The, Paul ends this book virtually the same way he began by saying, be strong in the Lord. Don't rely on your own strength, rely on the Lord. Where in the beginning, he explains that our salvation, our, our, our salvation is by grace through God's sovereign plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Not anything we do, it's by grace. A plan that he has put in place since the beginning of time through Jesus. So Paul is explaining all throughout these first three chapters of Ephesians that there was nothing we could do. We got ourselves into this mess. We, we chose sin. We chose the, the rebellious way over God. There's nothing we, we can do to save ourselves. We're, we're, it's abandoned ship. We're, we're out there without a sail. We're, 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 we're going to die. So what he's essentially saying is that salvation comes by believing in Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. But then he, the, the book shifts. So about chapter 4, the book shifts. It's two parts. It shifts and it talks about more. So Paul is laying out how we walk out practically this salvation we have in Jesus, what, which is still, don't miss this, in the same context of the goodness of God. So, so what I'm saying is it, it's not now that you know Jesus, go figure it out on your own. That's what we do too many times. It's not, I got Jesus, now I'm going to go walk my life out. That's not what this is. It, it's, you know Jesus, so now that you know Jesus, instead of trying to figure it out on your own, now walk in the knowledge of how loved you are. And acknowledge God in all you do, which now changes the way you interact with other people. It, it changes your marriage. It changes your parenting. It changes your work relations, work, work relationships. It, it affects your lives, period, to where your life should not simply look the same way it did before you believed in Jesus. But see, the problem is that I believe the church of Ephesus, as well as us, we suffer from memory lapses. We, 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 we got a problem going on and we forget time and time again on a daily basis what God has done on our behalf. We forget how good he's been. So, so what does Paul do? He writes them a letter simplifying saying this is what God has done on your behalf and this is how you walk it out because he wants them to understand you, you don't have to keep believing that you need to be strong by yourself. It's not up to you anymore. Remember what Christ has done on your behalf. Remember he's saying so instead of trying to figure out life on our own, we as Christians need to stand firm in the Lord. 
because our strength comes from him. So family, hear me. The problem is, is that Christians forget this time and time again. We forget to be strong in the Lord. One, because everything around us, everything around us, whether it be the news, whether it be our friends, our family, our spouses, everything around us tell us we, we can make it on our own. It's telling you, be all you can be. You got everything you need. And here's the truth. We don't have everything we need. I, I've tried that. I, I tried to run a race all by myself, and I fail, fail every time. I don't have the strength. I like to think of myself as a pretty strong guy, but I'm not strong enough to make it through this life by myself. I, I, I don't have it. It's, here's the truth, and I need you all to hear me this. Whether you're a believer or not, without Christ, we would have nothing. The common grace of God, he, he sends his son here, believer or not, Without him dying, we would not be here. We would all be dead. Y'all don't believe me? Here's the truth. Look at Romans 5, 6 8 with me. It says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, that's everybody, Still sinners, Christ died for us. But see, here's the problem. We either forget that truth or we don't really know it. We don't believe it. We, we don't know it. We don't believe it. We forget it. So we, so we don't remain strong in the Lord. Now, the second reason we're not strong in the Lord is because we simply don't know how to be strong in him. We don't understand the magnitude of the strength that has been given to us in Jesus. And that's where I want to camp out right now. I want to pitch my tent and I want to stay there for a little bit. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? What does it look like? What's the magnitude of the strength that's found in our Lord? Because here's the thing, if you believe your strength doesn't come from you, it comes from the Lord. Now hear me, there's three parts. If you got a pen and pad, you want to write this down, there's three parts of this text today. Number one, Paul introduces the passage in verse 10 through 13 about being strong in the Lord. He's saying, put on the armor of God. So he's introducing us to us, saying, put on the armor of the Lord, God, being strong in him. And secondly, in verses 14 through 17, Paul further explains how to stand firm and the specific purposes of the armor of God. So he's talking about the purposes of the armor of God. And then lastly, in verses 18 through 20, he talks about being in constant prayer, be in constant prayer because this is the main weapon against spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Pray constantly. Which brings us to verse 10. Stick with me as we walk through this. Where it says, be strong in the Lord. Again, because we don't have the strength to battle the powers that be in this world, the spiritual warfare, the things that are going on, we don't have the strength inside of us to do everything that's needed to be done. It, it, it's going to take the strength of the Lord to make it in this world. And the question becomes, it probably rose up in you when I said that, why can't I make it on my own? I've done so good this far, why, why, why don't I have the strength? Why can't I do it by myself? Well, let's look at this text. Look at verse 11. The text goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God so that you may stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
Verse 12 says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, ru against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, against the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now hear me with all of this. You know why the Christian struggles so much in this life? Whether it be spiritually, mentally, emotionally, just, just life period. You know why the Christian struggles? One of the big reasons is because we don't really know who our enemy truly is. We don't know our enemy. We don't know enough about him. You ever heard the saying, like, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer? We don't really know who our enemy is. He's not the president. He's not the mayor. He's not your spouse, your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend. I know sometimes we like to think they're Satan. Not, though. It's not your neighbor. No, 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 no. All of that, that's flesh and blood. It's flesh and blood. The text says the devil. I'm going to talk about it. He says, it says the devil. Friends, hear me. He is real. This is not some made-up fictional character. I mean, this is, not a this is not a character made up. He was once an angel that saw himself as better than God, so in his pride, God kicks him out of heaven, he falls from heaven, now he's roaming the earth. I mean, he has, he's full of schemes, he's, he's a crafty being, and he's constantly trying to pervert and kill the things of God. 1 Peter 5, 8 says these words, look at it with me, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Family, the devil is real. Now, I don't say this to scare anybody, but he's not someone that we can battle on our own. But on the other hand, I will say this. Everything that happens to you is not because of the devil. Devil made me do it. Satan's trying to get me. All this, I'm like, man, he's always, no, 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 no. We give him way too much credit. Way too much credit. For instance, you, 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 you spending money you don't have, taking that credit card out, now I'm just going to swipe away. This thing, I want that purse, yep, that's Gucci, got to have that. Those are Jordans, yep, I got to have that too. And then you find yourself in debt up to your ears, man, Satan after my money. He's after my money. No, no, Satan's not, you did that. You did that. Or, or you're sitting there time and time again like, man, I'm dating somebody I should not be with. I'm trying to honor God with my life. I keep sleeping around. I keep doing this. Man, Satan trying to tempt me. No, he's not. You know you shouldn't be in that relationship. And what I'm really trying to get at is that we give Satan way too much credit. We try to blame everything on him. We'll give him so much credit. And I need y'all to hear me as believers, the believer in here. The devil cannot possess you and make you do things that you don't want to do. Why? Here's the thing. If you watch throughout the Bible when he's coming after people, he's trying to get people to choose to defy or go against God. You see Adam and Eve, he's trying to get them to choose to go against God. You also see him in Matthew chapter 4 with Jesus tipping him in the wilderness. Don't miss this. He doesn't make either one of them do anything. Adam and Eve, they choose his way over God's way. Jesus chooses God's way over Satan's way. Now, now, so he doesn't make him do anything. Now, hear me. 
Because this is tough. This is, you might not like this, but hear me. If we do not believe in Jesus and we're not following the ways of God, you are essentially following the ways of the evil one and serving the world. Now, now that may seem harsh, and we do not like that truth in the Bible. We don't want to hear that. That's not something we want to hear. But if you look at this text, this is essentially what Paul is talking about. He's saying, guard against that for Christians and stand firm in your belief in Jesus because he, he's out there trying to come after you. Because if you're not living for Jesus and serving Jesus, you are essentially living for the world and serving the evil one. There's no in-between. I got a shirt that says, no lukewarmness. There's no, you're either hot or cold. Which causes the question, though, well, then what if he's not over? What, what's the devil really over then? Because I think of myself as a really good person. Somebody's saying this, and, but, and I, 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 may, I believe, but I don't think I'm the strongest believer. But I surely don't follow Satan. So, so let, let, me, let me try to break this down a little bit. Let me give you some clarity. Hear me. The devil is over, as the text says, the present spiritual darkness in the world. Not forever. He's over that right now, just for a matter of time, though, until Jesus comes back. He's coming back. <laughs> so, so when you sit back and you think about the darkness of the world, whether that be pride, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or people just simply turning to their own ways and doing what they want to do instead of what God actually says right here in the Word of God or what we know is right according to the Scripture. That, those are the things that, that he's roaming around. That's the thing, those are the things he's over. So, so it's not your everyday decisions, okay? But, but as believers, if you don't stand firm, then you can be enticed and tempted just like Adam and Eve and turn from serving God. Now, that does not mean that you lose your salvation, okay? You cannot lose something that you never had power over. Let me say it again. You can't lose something you never had the power over, but you can stray away from God. You can walk away. God's over there. You can go this way. But the good truth about that is that there's this thing called repentance where you can turn back the other way towards God and he forgives but again, hear me, the devil's not sitting back behind his little switchboard twiddling his thumb saying, which one am I going to make fall today? That one. Which one am I going to make do this? No, he doesn't have that power over you. As a believer, he does not have that power over you. He is orchestrating the overall present darkness of the world, which lends to bad things happening or bad choices even being an option. But for the Christian, the catch is that he can't make you do those things unless you choose to. You know why? Because his power is no match for God's. And you as a Christian, you're wrapped in God. You're wrapped in Jesus. Jesus conquered him when he died on the cross and went to the grave and then rose from the grave. So he conquered death and sin. So, 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 so he can't make you do anything because you're wrapped in Jesus' arms. So, so, so hear me, God is more powerful and Satan is, is, is working right now on borrowed time because one day Jesus is coming back and he's taking all his believers with him to heaven. 
So Satan's running around trying to get as many as he can to turn or to turn his way. And Jesus is like, look, I'm waiting until I get who I, I need to get my people. But he's coming back. So hear me, as believers, you don't have to choose to do wrong. But every time we choose what we think is right versus what God says, or thinks right here, what it says in the word, in essence, we choose the way of the enemy. And what Paul is saying is that the state of this world and Satan's power is far too great for us to handle by ourselves, but at the same time, it's no match for God. I need y'all to hear me. Y'all with me? Now, family, don't get lost in all of this devil stuff and, and war that I'm talking because if, if we get the main premise of what Paul is really trying to say here when he's saying, stand firm in the Lord, He's really saying, yeah, he can't touch you when you stand firm in the Lord. It's kind of like MC Hammer. Y'all remember him? Hammer time, hammer pants. Can't touch this. Y'all know that, right? Can't touch this. That's what he's saying. He can't touch you because you're wrapped in Jesus' arms. Y'all didn't get that, did y'all? you never seen a pastor do hammer time, right? Now, I know some of y'all in here are some Bible thumpers, and you're saying, well, all right, pastor, I get that. I went to Wheat and I went to Moody, but what do you do with Job? <laughs> what do you do with Job? Well, let me give you two things about Job, okay? One, one is, listen to me, Satan was not able to do anything to Job, test or tempt him, without God's permission. And number two... Jesus had not come yet and died and conquered sin and death. So hear me, Satan is no match for God. And when we're wrapped in his arms, he cannot touch you. Now, this all brings understanding of what Paul is saying here in this passage because he doesn't say be strong in yourself. He doesn't say that. It's not your armor, but he says, not only be strong in the Lord, but put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil. Now, notice, he says, put on the whole armor of the Lord. Not just a piece of the armor, but the whole armor. Clothe yourself with the whole armor. Now, this armor refers to the complete equipment of a fully equipped an armed soldier. It's consisting of both shields and weapons. This is the armor he's talking about. Now, family, hear me. Paul is not just saying this as a figure of speech. Dress your, clothe yourself in, in the Lord. Stay strong in the Lord. No, no, no. This armor was actually worn by the Lord. This is his armor given to Christians in Jesus. Y'all don't believe me, do you? Isaiah 11, verses 4 through 5 says this. Look at it, look at it with me. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness, the belt of his loins. This is talking about Jesus with the belt of righteousness and the rod or the sword, the word striking the earth. Maybe that's not enough. Look at chapter 59, verse 17. It says this in Isaiah. 
He put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put garments of vengeance for clothing and, and wrapped himself in the zeal as a cloak. This passage now is talking about God, noticing nobody would step up for his oppressed people. And he says, look, I'm going to step in. And he puts on the helmet of salvation. He puts the breastplate of righteousness on. See, hear me, friends. The point I'm trying to get at is that Paul is not just saying, put yourself in this armor as a figure of speech. This is actually the Lord's armor given to Christians when they believe. He gives them armor and he gives them weapons. These are the Lord's. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in verse 13. And when he's saying this, he's portraying Christians as soldiers on the battle line, holding fast against the enemy's charge as he's coming at you with the divine armor of God. Now, Christians have been given this complete armor of God from head to toe. So let's talk about this armor a little bit more. The armor consists of a belt, breastplate, it consists of shoes for your feet, a shield, a, a helmet, and a sword. All of this is listed in verses 14 through 17. Now hear me. These are all metaphors for spiritual resources given to believers in Christ. In verse 14, he says the belt. The belt is the truth. The breastplate is righteousness, where we have been girded with truth and righteousness in Jesus. So we don't have to fear as we walk through this life. As believers, there's things that are going to come our way. But here's the, here's the thing. We know, that the, we know the truth. And, and we are wrapped in his righteousness. Not our own righteousness, but Jesus' righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees us righteous because of Jesus. So hear me. You've heard me say this before. But we don't work for approval. We work from approval. In Jesus, we're clothed in his righteousness. Text keeps going, verse 15, the shoes, the shoes in the text are, are the gospel. It, it, it's meaning as we walk, we should be ready in and out of season to proclaim the gospel. At any time, we should be ready to talk about how good Jesus has been in our life, what he's done in our life, because we're not just believing in the gospel, but we're also walking in the gospel, and we're living it out day to day. We're walking in Jesus, so we're ready to proclaim it. That's what it's talking about. Your shoes are the gospel. Verse 16 through 17, it keeps going on. It says that in all circumstances, y'all follow me with this. It says, wear the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation because the evil one will attack. And the shield, unlike most shields made out of wood, it's made out of your faith in God. So when the evil one attacks, y'all, you're covered because of the shield of your faith in God. And if that's not enough, he puts a helmet on your head of salvation. So therefore, you're covered by Jesus. So, so, so maybe y'all missed that. Here's the truth. When the enemy comes at you, I keep saying it, he can't touch you because you're covered and clothed in Jesus. Some of y'all didn't amen, so let me put it this way. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says it this, just in case you missed it, knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors. Everybody say conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither, I love this scripture, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
hear me. The evil one will try you. He will entice you and try to tempt you. But the truth is, hear me, Jesus has already conquered him. So again, I need to tell you, he is working on borrowed time. He's flustered, walking around, trying to get as many as he can before Jesus comes back. And if we believe the shield of faith that you hold up extinguishes all the darts that he's shooting at you, all the attacks that are coming at you are extinguished by the shield of faith. <clears throat> Lastly, in verse 17, he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, hear me. As you read this list of armor, or you think about armor, period, when you think about armor, the sword is the only offensive weapon that that person has when they're armed, when they have the armor on. We're not talking new days with guns and stuff. We're talking olden days. The sword was the only offensive weapon, and that's the Word of God, as the text says. So if you've been here at Renewal for any length of time, you've heard me talk about the importance of being in the Word of God soaking yourself up, soaking all of this word inside of you, internalizing the scripture, getting to know him more. It's important to read him. Hear me. Reading, meditating, and memorizing the scripture is the only weapon we possess in the armor of God. The Bible is not just here for you to get to know God a little bit more intimately and spend your quiet time with him. This is a weapon that we possess in times of need. Y'all don't believe me. So let me put it this way. When you're feeling down and out, you're like, why is all of this happening to me? Why am I going through everything that's going on in my life? What is going on? And you're wallowing in this woe is me type of attitude. Satan wants to keep you in that place. He doesn't want you to leave that. So, so here's the truth. This is how it's a weapon. You got to remember scriptures like Romans 8, 28, where it says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who work, who are called according to his purpose. Oh, or maybe that's not you. Maybe you're walking around and you feel like you're a ship without a sail. You don't have any direction. You don't know where to go. You don't know who to trust in this life. That's when we remember scriptures like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean onto your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Oh, maybe that's not you either. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I sinned last night. I messed up again. God, I'm not worthy and, and, and I'm not loved. I, I, I don't deserve anything. Here's the truth. Remember what it says in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I just had a breakup. I lost a loved one and I, I, I feel lonely right now. I'm unloved. Nobody loves me. Well, remember what it says in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says this, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you hear me the Word of God is for us to get to know him more intimately but it's also as it says in Hebrews 4 13 sharper than a double-edged sword where it's able to pierce to the heart of the enemy while at the same time work on ours and mold us 
family, this is a powerful weapon that we possess. The scripture, the word of God. Soak it up. Get to know him and pull it out when you need it. Now, as we get into the last section of this text, verses 18 through 20, I love how Paul ends this. He's ending by urging these new believers in Ephesus. He says, stay constantly in prayer. Stay constantly in prayer. And family, this is not part of the armor that we possess, but it is a weapon that Christians possess. This is what we have. It is the main weapon that we possess against spiritual warfare. But sadly, it's the most underutilized. We don't pray enough. We don't seek God. We think we got it. We got enough scripture. We don't, we don't pray. Or we don't know how to. Hear me. Prayer to God is the main weapon we have because, again, I've said it before, again, by ourselves, we don't have what it takes to make it in this world and battle this war by ourselves. There is a little, I'm going to keep saying it, there's a literal war going on between the spiritual forces of the evil one and people here. And he is trying his best to keep and entice as many people as possible to follow what they think is right or follow his ways instead of God's ways. He's trying to get people to think that there's something better out there than God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. It, 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 you really? Say it? God said don't eat. Man, I think it would be good to you. Now, he's trying to get us to think that there's something better than God. That's how he got them and that's how he wants to get us. This is not, but hear me, this is not always a visible war. It can take place in your mind. It can take place in your heart in your emotions, what you feel, the world, the people around you, it's hard to battle in a war when you can't notice it around you. It, it's hard to, to battle when you don't notice the ways of Satan at all times, which is why Paul says, constantly pray at all times and call on someone who's much greater than you, bigger, better, and can fight the war that you can't see. It says, pray with perseverance and supplication for others. Y'all, I cannot stress this enough. Believers are to stay constantly rooted in prayer at all times, talking to and calling out to God all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say praying at all times and when Paul says this, this doesn't mean be in prayer for hours and hours and hours on end. It doesn't mean go late, go lock yourself in the closet all day long and pray and don't have contact with other people. I mean, that, that's not what he's talking about here. Sometimes you do need to take extended prayer retreats and do that. I do that myself. But what Paul is really saying is that prayer should, praying should be like breathing. It should be like breathing. It's constant. It's all the time. It, it can be very quick. And most of the times, it is very quick. For instance, my wife... I love her. I've never seen anybody do this before until I met her. We'd be walking down the street or driving in the car, and, and when an ambulance passes by, she would stop everything, and for five to ten seconds, she says a quiet prayer to God. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but would you just go with that ambulance, whoever's in there, and, and, and take care of them? And in that moment, she just stops and she just prays. It's quick. Or, or, or maybe another one, maybe you, you see somebody and somebody's telling you and they say, man, I'm going through this, I'm struggling, I'm battling this, I'm having a hard time. And you say, well, I'm going to pray for you. 
We say this all the time. Hear me, that should not be a figure of speech. In that moment, we should actually stop and pray for that person. It just happened to be this morning. My, uh, Liz, she, she outside, I just said something about this, the scripture this morning, preaching on spiritual warfare, and she just stopped and prayed for me. Took five seconds. What I try to do in that moment is exactly what she did, is that when somebody says that, if I can, I will stop, pull them to the side, and just pray right there. The cool thing is you don't know who's watching. That's a crazy witness. And then on the other hand is that, that if you can't do it then, just take five to ten seconds right afterwards. Because here's the thing, we will, we will forget. I'll pray for you and you forget to pray for somebody. On the other hand, you, you may be struggling yourself and you may be going through it and you may be in the thick of it sometimes. And you're like, I don't have the words to say. In that moment, just call out to God and say, God, I can't do it by myself. Would you, would you come into this, intercede in this situation, show me what to do? It, it, it does not have to be long and over-spiritual and all the right words. Just talk to him. Call out to him. Don't make prayer over-spiritual and overwhelming because then you don't pray at all. Believer in here, stay in constant prayer. Because here's the thing on the other side, you show me a believer that, that is struggling, and I'm not talking about money or, or, or physically struggling. You show me somebody that's struggling mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I, I, I almost can always show you a person that's not rooted and grounded in the scriptures and constantly praying. Family, we're, we are to stay constantly in this book, this Bible. And in prayer, these are the two office of weapons that we have been given by God. The Word of God and prayer. And hear me, you cannot do one without the other. Doesn't. They don't work without the other. If you are just in the Word of God all day long trying to read the Bible and, 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 and getting to know it, you're memorizing everything, then you will become pompous and arrogant and a Pharisee and think you're better than everybody and walk around with your chest stuck out like I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And then on the other hand, if you just pray, all you do is pray, you're probably weird. I mean, you're probably weird. Something straight out the 60s, happy-go-lucky. And God is this mystical being where, where, where every time you pray to him, he's like the genie in a bottle that's going to come out and, and do things for me. You're probably a weird person. They don't go, you, you can't do one without the other. Hear me with this. What I'm trying to get at, don't miss this. The word of God should inform your prayers and your prayers should help bring insight to the word of God. Let me say that again because y'all might have missed that. The word of God should inform your prayers and your prayers should help bring insight to the Word of God. You can't do one without the other. They're weapons that come together, go together. Now family, in everything I've covered today, please don't walk out of here and say, Pastor D, all he talked about was the wars and devil and all that. Don't, don't miss what I'm really trying to get at what Paul is getting at in this scripture and why we've been walking through Ephesians for the last several months. See, I want our church and anybody who walks in this place to experience Jesus, but not just experience Jesus, but understand who you believe in and, and what he's done for you and then be, understand that you're rooted in someone that does not just save you from sin and offer you eternal life or give it to you. He also helps you walk out practically what it looks like to be saved. 
where your work environments change, your, your relationships change, your friends and family, all of that looks different because of Jesus working in and through your life. And then on top of that, if that's not enough, he also gives you armor. He gives you armor to protect you from the enemy. He gives you weapons to fight this war. The fight this war that, that we cannot win without him. But at the same time, we cannot lose with God. See, the purpose of this Rooted series was to plainly lay out the goodness of God made available through belief in Jesus. Renewal, when we believe in Jesus, it allows us to stand firm, as the text says, not on our own strength, but instead on God's strength. Let me, let me end with this because y'all, I don't know if you're with me and y'all keep giving me this golf clap. So, so, so let, me, let, me, let me end with this. Everybody in here has, has seen the Willis Tower, right? It used to be called the Sears Tower. Everybody has seen the Willis Tower. I grew up in Gary and I used to love standing on the shore and I could see this on a very clear day. So if I could see it from Gary, you can see it anywhere in Chicago, this tall building. It's the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere. It's one of the tallest in the world, standing at about 110 feet, 110 stories tall, and that's about 1,730 feet tall. Now, now watch this. There's 2,000 workers that worked on this building for three years until completion. Not 200, not two, 2,000. There's over 25 miles of plumbing inside of it, 1,500 miles, miles, not feet, 1,500 miles of electric wiring, 80 miles of elevator cable, and 145,000 light fixtures. The Willis Tower contains approximately 4.56 million gross square feet. And that 4.56 million gross feet, when, when, you, when you put it out on a flat land, that's approximately 105 acres. In layman's term, that's about 16 full city blocks here in Chicago. Full city, not just the length, the, the, whole, the whole mass of it. Now, there's many more fun facts about this building. Many of y'all have probably been on the sky deck and experienced the fun things that, that the Willis Tower offers. But the one that really struck me when I'm reading about this tower was the foundation the construction of the foundation because this building was constructed in 1973, so that's about 45 years ago. So I started asking myself, how in the world, as I'm scratching my head, does this building stay so tall and stand so strong in the midst of the wind that we have here, the snowstorm, sometimes hail, the ice, the sleet, all this mess in Chicago. How in the world does this building stand up there so tall and stay so strong? Now, beside the lightweight material that's used to build it up as it goes up, it, it sways with the wind, the structural engineers, when they did the bottom of this, when they made the bottom, they pioneered the use of bundled tube construction. Now, follow me with this. The tower is composed of nine bundled structural tubes resting on reinforced concrete casings or chambers where water cannot enter them. Now, these tubes and casings go all the way down to the bedrock of the earth. 
The caissons, lastly, then, are tied together by a concrete mat. Now, I think y'all probably missed that, so let me break it down a little bit more for you. The foundation for the Willis Tower is a massive cement structure that is 100 feet below the Earth's surface. You cannot see it all, but it's there. In addition to that, the foundation is then surrounded by 200 circular casings, which are huge cement-filled cylinders that are an additional 100 feet below that. Now they're set in the solid bedrock of the earth, which is the layer of solid rock, hundreds of feet below the surface of the earth. Here's my point in all this, because some of y'all might be with me on this. The Willis Tower has stood the test of time for so long, weathering the storms, the hail, the winds, and everything else in here in Chicago, because it's rooted in the bedrock beneath the surface, which is much stronger and deeper than what we can actually see. Family, hear me, as, as we end this Rooted series in, a, in Ephesians, if you believe in Jesus, you are able to walk differently, you're able to live differently, you're able to love differently, you're able to speak differently, you're able to stand strong and fight differently because your faith is rooted in someone named Jesus, the bedrock of our faith who is far greater and stronger than we could ever imagine and much deeper, it, the faith, it goes much deeper than we can see or can't see. He's the bedrock of our faith. Family, stay rooted in Jesus. Stay rooted. Now, as we end, you, you may be here and you're saying, I knew Jesus, or I heard about Jesus dying for me on the cross, but I, I had never really believed that. And then on top of that, I didn't know that, that Jesus wants to protect me too, that he gives me armor. He fights my battles for me. I, I didn't really know that. I didn't believe that, that that was really true. And that's right here in the scripture. If you've been struggling with that, maybe you walked in here and that's you and you're struggling with trying to do things your way. Won't you just submit to him this morning? Won't you say, God, I need you. I, I've been trying to do it. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I trust you with my life. I need you. Let's end like this, every head bowed, every eye closed.